Mormon Mental Health is a production of Mormon Stories Podcast and the Open Stories Foundation. All donations go directly towards keeping the podcast alive and towards supporting its listeners. To support the podcast, please consider a donation today at mormonmentalhealth.org. And thanks for listening. Jesus Savior, pilot me Over life's tempestuous sea Chart and compass Hello and welcome to another episode of Mormon Mental Health. This is Natasha Helfer-Parker. And today I have the pleasure to interview Lorena Tobon, from originally from Bogota, Colombia. And she is a mother of two, has been married for seven years, uh, served a mission in the Missouri, Kansas area back in the day, and has a bachelor's in English language learner studies. And she's here today to talk to us about her journey as far as... Um, coming to terms with the fact that she is a lesbian. And so we want to kind of uh, discuss, you know, her upbringing as a Mormon and what the Mormon faith um, has meant and does mean to her and just the type of journey that, that it's entailed for her to even feel comfortable to identify as homosexual. So hello, Lorena. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello, Natasha. Thank you for being here. Well, in good form, I guess I will just ask you to introduce yourself a little bit more than I just introduced you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history and how you come to be a member of the church and um, how far that goes back in your family, etc. Okay, so my parents were actually both Catholic and very devoted on both sides, mostly on my dad's side, he in fact wanted to become a priest with two of his brothers. So they were the three of them attending the seminary. And after some time, it didn't work for my dad anymore. I think he had some health issues that uh, prevented him from uh, going full time. And so then later on, they met my mother and my father. Uh, they were both at a yoga class, which my mom, um, she was the teacher of this class. Very young. She must have been maybe 17 or something like that. And and they met and shortly after they married. And about five years through the, their marriage, they met the missionaries. And I think the first time they didn't let them in, but the second time they did and um oh no uh something happened that they they were looking they were looking for a place to stay the missionaries and so they asked my parents i think on the first time they 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 met they knocked on their door and tried to preach the gospel and they uh, turned them down as far as talking about the gospel and they said, oh, by the way, do you know anyone who is renting a place or something? We need a place to stay. And my mom said, oh, you can stay here. So they actually arranged for them to move in um, in their home. And they lived, I'm not sure how many years they lived together, but they, my parents ended up joining the church. And they were very, very strong members almost instantly 
I think my dad had, uh, he, he has told me his conversion story before and and uh, he actually told me, my mom was the first one to feel the truthfulness of of the gospel and she just felt such warmth in her heart and and everything was so so beautiful when the missionaries were talking that she just started crying and crying and and my dad was surprised to, to see all of that demonstration but she just felt it so strongly and then my dad for him it was um it was a little bit of a longer process but i remember him talking about uh one time when he was reading the doctrine and covenants and he was just he just felt something so 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 strong and and he started uh, crying also like tears started running down his cheeks and he was just just appalled at this at these um feelings that he was having and uh, and so that's a little bit of of um how they came into the church on the first place after a few years they um, my dad was called as a stake president. I, I'm not sure how long after, but it wasn't too long after they joined. So they had two kids before they they met the church, or maybe a third one was little, I'm not sure. And then uh, they continued to have kids after they joined and when he became president. So my mom was very busy at home and some of uh, my siblings have had uh, a lot of health issues for one thing or another. And she she has been very busy at home, obviously. And she was very converted to the gospel. So she was very busy in the, in the church also. But my dad was super, super, super busy with church because as a stake president in, uh, in Colombia at that time, um, he had to do... Uh, very big amounts of traveling to visit the different branches and and wards and so it just took a lot out of him and um, so with time that that was very difficult for them to handle and my mom was feeling very lonely and she didn't have much help from her family either because they didn't agree with her having joined the church. And so they, the easiest thing was just to blame the church and my dad doing too many things on the church and everything. And But of course there, there were, there were so many things. I, I'm not sure even what to say sometimes because I hear one story from my dad. I hear another story from my from my mother, and uh, another story from my eldest sibling. So, and I am the youngest. They ended up having six children, and I am the youngest of of, uh, of them. My my um oh so <laughs> uh, so they continued in church. So having these difficulties. And about 20 years after they had married, they ended up getting a divorce because it was uh, it was just very hard to 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 work this situation. And there are many different um, 
reasons that I hear from family members on why they really ended up divorcing. But I'm really not sure. I'm not going to say. Of course, there are always two sides. It's not, I couldn't say it was only because of my dad not being there and being involved too much in church. Uh, but that did have a lot to do with it. And even he alludes to it sometimes now. And so they ended up getting a divorce back in 89 when I was about six. Um, and I remember, well, I don't remember very many things before I was eight. And then I just remember a little bit. And then I remember more when I was about 14 or so. So, so I really don't have a lot of things to draw back from in that time. But, uh, but I remember liking primary a lot when I was young and just, uh, singing. And I always sang very loud because I just loved the music and how it made me feel and the setting of church and primary. And so I have wonderful memories of that. But I don't remember what it was like to live with my parents um, or even when they divorced. So once they divorced, uh, the story goes that they gathered us all in, in the living room or, or whatever at home. And, and uh, they asked us, who would you like to go with? And, uh, and we all said we wanted to stay with my dad. But then... My sister seems to have had something to do with that, like her telling us, oh, stay, say you, you're going to stay with my dad or something like that. So so I'm not sure it was it was very fair to ask me at six years old who I wanted to stay with. But we ended up staying with my dad, my second to eldest sibling, my eldest brother. He, he stayed with my mom for a little bit, but then he just kind of went back and forth. And um, my dad would come. She didn't disappear, but but she would come every Wednesday to have lunch with us. Like she would take us out, and and she would come um, almost every weekend until she got a job uh, with uh, with some lady that traveled to to America quite a bit, and so she was away for the summers. And uh, sometimes during other epochs. So sometimes we didn't see her for for a few months at a time. And my dad was was lonely. I don't know for how long, maybe five, six years or something like that. I remember just being with him and um, him uh, taking care of us and doing everything for us. And so it was a very stressful time for him also. and. Of course, for my mom, also being without us and having her own struggles. So that's a little bit of my introduction. Okay. okay. That's kind of long. No, that's fine. So that's a little bit unconventional, I would assume. I mean, especially for the time and also maybe even the country, although maybe you can tell me I'm wrong, but for the kids to end up with their father instead of their mother. Do you think that that yes. had something to do with? I mean, was it because dad was keeping the house and she didn't have a place to go or what, what kinds of factors do you think played into that? I think it had a lot to do with church 
because uh, speaking to my mom recently about it, she said that when they spoke, um, the two of them about this, how they were going to do with us, he asked her, um, or he told her, well, you can go, but the kids stay with me. And uh, so I'm not sure. I think he wanted uh, to make sure we were going to church and we were instructed well on the faith and he didn't want us to lose that. I think that was a major part. And so I, I keep going back and forth because sometimes for a long time, I blame my mom and thinking, Oh, but why did she leave us? Like, it doesn't make sense to me that you would have us choose, you know, and, and maybe for her to say sometimes, well, I didn't want you to go through the trauma of going to a, a to a judge or something to make things legal, and then I think, well, that, that would have been a smaller trauma than not being with her, than not living with her. But then I think also experiencing more of the Mormon culture and faith, how it must have been for her for so long, fifteen years of being within the church and experiencing very hard things also because he was away so much and uh, for example she one of the i think he was fourth baby or so he um he passed away three days after he was born and she was in the hospital and and my dad wasn't there because he was at a church meeting and of course he didn't know it was going to happen right then but at the time they were in cell phones either so like just things didn't work for their for their benefit but things like that now being a mother those are hard also to 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 assimilate and to live with and i don't know so sometimes then i judge my dad and i think ah but he you know he should have measured things a little better or a little more and because it was apparent that my mom was um I mean, she she started falling in love with someone else, and I think it was because she she was feeling so lonely, and uh, but of course my my dad had to do with it. So even though it was her fault that she was paying attention to someone else, at the same time she was very lonely. So it's just very complex in my life to think about those times. Was it also that your mother wasn't as? interested in continuing activity in the church at that point of her life then? Is that partly like when you say, well, that your dad wanted to make sure you guys had that upbringing? I think so. But I think what drew her away from church was the fact that my eldest sister, she says, when, when I, what she remembers about them before they joined the church is that Every Saturday, my dad would uh, make bread at home or, or they together, I don't know. And they would go to parks and they would do picnics and they would do all these wonderful things, Saturdays and Sundays. And they would have uh, um, reunions at home where they would sing and uh, and a lot of people play different instruments. And they're just very musical. Both families were. And so sometimes there was alcohol, but not drunkenness and things and so she just remembers a very lovely time as they were uh, 
right before they they joined the church and right after they joined everything changed well maybe not like right after but very soon after they joined everything changed so it's it's a paradox because you you find out this wonderful church who who bases everything on the family or the central thing is the family let's say and the base is Jesus Christ but but you want to make sure that that you know every member is aware of family how important it is and everything and then all of a sudden then that that unit is just crumbling down you know when they are very active in this church and so i think that's what made her um, leave the church but i think it was mostly the fact that she was so lonely and wanted to leave and then she left church because uh because there, were, there, were, there was a lot of judgment when she went back. Everybody knew my father. Even when I served my mission later on, people would come up to me and see my name and they would be like, oh, are you the daughter of President Obon? I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't know my dad was so popular. And But everybody knew him because he, he just traveled everywhere. And he like, he was a very good stick president, but but it took a toll on on our family. And so when when uh, when they ended up divorcing then then my dad was uh, v- um, very judged by the members of the church not all of them but many of them so it was very uncomfortable for her to go to church because I remember she tried even after the divorce she tried to take us back sometimes to church but but it was just very uncomfortable and so and so we didn't when we would spend weekends with her with with her. So I think my dad was fearful that if we went with my mom, then then we wouldn't go to church. And but at the same time, I think like that's how much pressure the the church puts on you, or that's how, in a way, blind you can become. Because how is it gonna be better to to make sure? You know, he indoctrinates us in the church versus being with your mother, you know, because it, the story is that I hear, it seems like he didn't even try to say, yeah, why don't you stay with, with the little one or the two little ones, you know, at, at least with them or something. Even when my dad tells me some stories that after they divorced, I would cry every night, like we were doing supper uh, and I would just start crying and he'd be like, whoa what, what's going on honey and, and i just be like oh i miss my mother and 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 he said it, would, it was so sad for like almost a year i did that so when he tells me that i just think why didn't you let me go with my mother it wasn't like he didn't let me i, I don't know it, it's it's still i'm still clueless about it all and my my mom did have um well she went to 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 live in another place. So she had a place uh, for us where we could stay. It wasn't like she was homeless or anything. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. She says that she did ask him, uh, crying, and like 17 days later, she said that she wanted to go back. And, and my dad said, no, no, it's too late. And she asked for us, and, and he said no. And so I'm not sure if maybe they don't remember the story well and don't tell me the facts right or they don't want me to know certain things or so I'm not sure. Okay. So, so it sounds like um, there's a lot of uncertainty for you still on how that all went down. 
and yeah. why things kind of ended up the way they did. And like you're saying, maybe the story is obviously probably more complex than just the church role and what it played, but you do right. recognize that the church played a significant role in your father's life to the point that it caused some conflict in their probably. marriage because there was, I guess, less unity between the two of them, I think is what you're saying. Yes. So give us a sense then of what it was like for you to grow up with the Mormon faith and what it started, I guess, meaning to you and what your testimony was like and kind of your own personal journey with with Mormonism. So, so like I said, I don't remember many things about my childhood, but I do remember just having a, a very uh, nice feeling whenever I would go to church and I was very, very active. And like, I remember always... Uh, wanted to participate in my classes and and just musically I remember just singing away and everything and so I I think I had a very strong testimony um of 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 God and uh and of church of course because of what I just said but then since I don't have memory until I was like around uh around 8 do, do you want me to get into my sexuality yet? Or, or do you want me to talk about my faith, what I remember? Why don't we start with, with your faith and how that was, well, unless, they're co- unless they coincide for you. But I guess what I would like to know is kind of like your, your testimony aside from your sexuality, if that's possible. If it's not, then absolutely bring in your, you know, yeah. aspects of that. There's a time when I just don't remember anything uh, more with church other than just being happy at primary. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that at some point you chose to go on a mission, right? And so what did it start? You know, as you're an adolescent and a young woman and, you know, getting into a young adulthood. I think I was 13 or so. I, I went to live with my mom or even before when I was 12, I think I went to live with my mom. and. uh for about a year, but I wasn't very active at church because she wasn't. And uh, so that wasn't a huge part at that time. Then I went back to my dad's and then, then my mom got married with uh, an American citizen. And so she went to live in uh, New Jersey. And then she asked me if I wanted to go with her. That was when I was 14 in 98. And uh, so I went with her Previous to that, I with my dad, I had gone to church again, but wasn't super active. Never really liked young women because I think we we had a different uh, social status than other than other people in the world because our boundaries were like very uh, rich. Uh, well, not very rich people, but more more wealthy people and some Americans that would come for different. Uh, jobs they would be in the same uh ward as other of us who were not uh more like middle class and so that uh, distinction for me was very apparent plus being a lesbian i was pretty different in my in my um way to dress and and how i had my hair and things like that and so i i never really liked going to to young women and and also in colombia the program wasn't very developed so there weren't nearly as many things as I see young women uh, doing today. Did, did you identify as a lesbian as a young woman? Oh, not at all. No, I didn't. But but I knew I was different. 
So there were some things about how you presented at that time that now looking back, you see that was because of your sexuality or? Oh, totally. Yes. Okay. Can you explain a little bit about that? How, how did you feel different? So when I was eight, I fell in love with this girl. What grade was I? Like third or fourth? I don't remember. And she was a senior in high school. And we rode the same bus to school. And I just remember just just being so attracted to this girl. And but of course at that time I didn't <laughs> didn't really know. Oh, I fell in love with her. No, I didn't know. But of course that's what happened. Now looking back because I did everything for this girl. I would try to like bring food in in at the end of the school because everybody's hungry and everybody's asking for food in the bus. So I would always try to have something to give to her and and I would uh, even write letters to her. Even on on the last day of school, I knew she she wasn't gonna be there next the following year, and I had my letter write down a, the lyrics to a romantic, very romantic song uh, for me, so that I could give to her. And I wrote this super long love letter to her, and then I asked one of her friends' brother, who was my friend, uh, to give it to her. And so he gave it to her, and then. I asked a week later or so when I saw this friend of mine, I asked him what her reaction had been. And he said, no, she was, she was happy. She said, oh, she's so nice. And, and I told him, no, tell me exactly. I want you to tell me exactly what words she used, how was her face, everything. I will even pay you if you tell me everything. <laughs> and so I was just obsessed. So I knew from that time that's my earliest memory that, that I was different. So in church, I, I knew on top of this, I knew I was different because I, I hated to wear skirts. I hated to, to do my hair, to just things like that. I, I guess I wasn't very girly, you know, which and now that I learned not, not all lesbians are like me, you know, there are very girly lesbians too, as there are very tomboyish heterosexual women. And so, but to me, that, that was what made me feel different. Okay. So, so from an early age, you felt different. You had this pretty intense experience as an eight-year-old, which, you know, maybe a lot of people would say, well, you're only eight and that's just, you know, being kind of puppy love. But the fact that that was towards a woman, towards a girl was significant for you and, and what you continued to have those types of experiences with other girls in your life. Yeah, those happened again. So um, later on, when I was 14, right before I went to the States, in in 97, I met, uh, well, I went to live with my mother for a second time. Just a few months, she married this, uh, this American guy. So we lived there, but like I said, she had a job taking care of this old rich lady. And, and so she would go away to to Florida for a few months because this lady had an apartment there and just liked to spend her summers there. And so when we went to live with my mother, it was my bro- two of my brothers and myself, elder brothers and myself. And then uh, she said, oh, um, she actually wants me to go this summer again. So why don't you stay here in this apartment? And then I'll be back in uh, I think the plan was two months or or something like that. I don't remember exactly how long it was. But um, my dad said, no, why don't you come stay with me while she's gone? And But my mom was afraid that we wouldn't, now that she had us, 
she was afraid that that if we went back to my dad, then we wouldn't go back to her. And so she she just found a maid to to cook for us and do laundry and things for us so that we would stay there. So we did. And during that time, my brothers were working, both working and probably studying. And so I had a lot of time without supervision in the afternoons when I got home from school. And I met this girl who was going through a very tough time to herself. And she she lived somewhere else, but for these specific months, she had to live in this same geographical area. And so she had to ride the same bus that I did to school. We were going to the same school. And we just became very good friends. And And I remember the same thing happening. Just that this time... She was a little closer in age. She was four years older, but a little closer than the other one. And I just fell in love with her. I wanted to be with her all the time. Nothing nothing ever happened between us, but but she was also very lonely. And so we just spent a lot of time together, a lot of time together. And uh, so, yeah, that's pretty normal, I guess, for two friends. But then I, I... I was just dreaming about her all the time and I I wanted to hold her hand and I wanted any any kind of physical touch any kind at all would would mean the world to me and so that's how I I know it it was different and well the biggest the biggest reason why I know it's different is because when we had to part ways I mourned that loss for like 2 years it was very difficult to overcome that and so that's when it happened again. And this is actually when um, my dad found out about me probably having issues with same-sex attraction. Because my eldest brother, he told my dad during one vacation that I was very close to this to this one girl. And so one day my dad took me into a room in private and he asked me, you know, what's what's the deal with this girl? Are you attracted to her? And I said, yes. And then he just told me, you know, that's that's not okay. And you just need to cut this from the root. And that was like something I just didn't expect at all. And, and I knew in my heart it had to be wrong because everything I had been taught that you couldn't have these kind of feelings for a woman so so I knew I was sinning somehow so I knew that would be coming my dad talking to me or somebody talking to me about it at some point and but it was very hard to do it I did it because I've been very loyal to my dad to my mom to my religion I don't know I'm pretty loyal so I I I did it right away but it was very hard you mean you cut ties with her right away yeah how how old were you again 14. 14. And even at this point, though, you're not identifying as a lesbian. You're just knowing that you're having very strong feelings for another female. Yes. Well, the other thing that plays part in it is that I thought, well, I probably have these feelings because my mom wasn't around us all the time. And so I probably just need attention from a woman and I need affection from a woman and this is how, in my mind, I made it made sense to me. Like that's that was the only possible way, you know. Explaining it to yourself, you mean like, why am I having these strong feelings? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Okay. And at this point, so, you know, as you're continuing to have these experiences with, with females in your life, you're also having experience, religious experiences, right? And you're growing up in this Mormon faith. And um, right. you mentioned like loyalty to your religion. What, what, is, what role is your religion playing at, at this kind of early point of your life? I think for me to feel that guilt so early, it, it just had to be in me. You know, I think from all those primary years, I think they were the most significant to me and significant to me. And um, it just had to be very strong. I remember, I remember one time it was a fast and testimony Sunday and I went to bear my testimony and it felt so beautiful to do it, to testify of God. And so I told myself, I should do this every single Every single month, why don't people do it? It's it's so lovely, and so I, those things tell me that it had to be pretty strong. But actually, when I was so later, uh, I was still fourteen, and I went to live with my mother. They moved to to Pennsylvania, so we lived in Pennsylvania for about well three years or so. But as I as I got there, I didn't go to church either the same because my mom didn't uh didn't go but but they did try to take us her and, and her husband did try to take us a few times and we were we went um just maybe once every three months or something she, she was okay taking us and, and so was uh him but we just didn't didn't like it like i said i didn't I didn't uh, like young women very much. And even though things were different in America, the language was a big thing now because I didn't speak English when I, when I went to the States. And uh, um, so it was very, it was just uncomfortable somewhat. And to see, I think also to see the families that they would go together and, and for us to be dropped off and, and then picked up. And I don't know, I guess we didn't have a, a at that time, a very strong testimony. Or, or it was dormant, or I don't know. But the thing is, later on, I did I did seventh and eighth grade in uh, in the states in Pennsylvania, and then I I couldn't cope with the with the American style. Like I didn't I didn't like it very much. Maybe because I didn't speak the language that I had to do a lot with it, especially at the very beginning, because I was just sort of thrown in seventh grade and many of the regular classes. Um, well, I guess half and half. I was taking half of this regular classes, and then the other half, this uh, wonderful teacher, she she helped us out. This ESL teacher, and uh, so I learned. I learned it fairly quickly, but it was still very hard. And the other thing that made it hard is that in America, young women seem to use makeup and and be more girly from an earlier age than in Colombia, and so that made me feel even more more awkward because if I felt awkward before in my country then then in America it was more and they were very much into boys and talking about boys and and I just had nothing nothing in common you know in in when it came to that and so I I got frustrated and I got very good grades and I was a very good student and when I finished 8th grade my mom said why don't you go back to Colombia study for four months or five months um like as soon as as uh, as your eighth grade is finished so during the summer and up to up to october or november something like that and why don't you take the test equivalent to the high school diploma something like the gre 
in uh, GRE, no, uh, GED, you call it in America. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so something similar to that, but in Colombia. And then I could translate it when I got to the States and I would be a high school uh, graduate. So that's what we did. I went back to Colombia. I, I got this diploma and uh, and I went back. And then when I went back to Pennsylvania, my stepfather, he said, um, he asked me if I wanted to go to France, a uh, study abroad um, course program. And so I did because I, I loved um, languages from an early age. And I had studied a little bit of French in my school in Colombia. And right before, this is where religion comes in, right before I, I left Colombia, already knowing that I would be going to France, my dad uh, told me, hey, uh, do you want to... Oh, so when I was in Colombia, sorry, right before he talked to me, when I was in Colombia during that time, studying super, super, super busy, trying to cram in four years of studying, uh, I didn't go to church, one, because I was super busy, but two, because I wasn't... I didn't care too much at this time, but my dad knew I loved uh, studying, and um, at least at this time because I was a very bad student while I was in Colombia, and uh, and he said, "Hey, why don't you take this book?" Um, or, or he asked me, "Would you like a book in French so that you can study the language?" And I said, "Oh yeah, of course." And he gave me the Book of Mormon, and I took it. Didn't think anything of it. And I took it later with me to France and I started reading it because I wanted to learn the language, but I just saw such a different difference in my life. I just uh, felt so good all of a sudden. And, and I started um, going to church again all by myself in, in Paris. And it was very difficult because to, to go to church uh, because I had to take one train and another and change and walk and but I still did went through all the hustle because I started feeling something very very strong and I remember this is when when everything started changing for me as far as my religion like I really started asking for myself okay is this could, could it really be true is it is it um, good is it bringing me closer to God? Is it giving me some sort of peace in my life? So, and the answers were all yes. And so I became very devout from this time. And then I went back to Pennsylvania for the summer. And then I left to Australia because that's where my brother and sister were at the time they were studying. And so my stepdad, he said, would you like to go to Australia? And so I said, sure, why not? And uh, so we went to the, I was studying at the University of Sydney. I started studying economics. And in there, I also went to church. And my brother, he was closer to me. Well, he was in Canberra first, but then he moved to Sydney. And, and we both would go to church. And my brother, he was very, very much into church. He wasn't while we were growing up but after he served the mission he just changed so much and that was a huge testimony for me that that the church had to be true because my brother had changed like all those bad habits he had or you know like every teenager goes through and having divorced parents and everything but everything he had changed everything about him and 
and I loved the new person that he was. And so that helped me uh, also to, to continue my, my course in, uh, in, in the church. So I was very active. We were both very active while we were in Australia. But by the end of the year, this was like 2001. Oh, yeah, 2001. We went back to the States because my mom got divorced of uh, my stepdad. And so he couldn't sponsor us anymore. So we went back to Florida because my mom went to live in Florida. And, but my mom wasn't, she still, it was still hard for her to, to go to church. So she would come with us sometimes when we would invite her, but, but it was difficult. Sometimes we would just go, my brother and I, and at this time, this is when I, when I went uh, and joined the Navy in 2002. And when I joined the Navy, I left a letter. It was like a week before Mother's Day. And I left a, I left a letter for my mother for, for Mother's Day with, with my brother. And, and I asked him to give it to her on this day. And... But I think something had happened as she read the letter because I had no correspondence while in boot camp, no correspondence from my mother <laughs> or my dad because he was so far away. And well, he actually did send some things through somebody, but but at the beginning I had no no correspondence from anybody, and I thought, oh man, what must have happened? So what I put in the letter was, mother, I don't think I could have given you a better Mother's Day gift than my testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I just went on and on about what this meant to me, about how probably how she should go back and be more active in it. I'm not sure, but I remember specifically just giving her just this powerful testimony of what the Church meant to me. Mm. And I think this this probably made her very unsettled and she just didn't write to me and that was very hard for me because i mean mm. it's not the hardest thing boot camp but it was hard enough you know and to not feel uh your your parents support or anybody's support then it was it made it even harder and to think that she was like who knows what was going through her mind and that was a very difficult time for me so you get this French Book of Mormon from your father and start reading it, in a sense, transforming your relationship to Mormonism to something much more authentic for you and coming from you instead of something that you've just been raised with. And then to the point that it kind of causes you to start testifying, right? In a sense, and you, you write this testifying letter to your mom who has her own complicated relationship, right? With the church and um, causes some discomfort for her. Is that? Kind of a good wrap yes. up of that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And so from here, so you go to boot camp and, and you're in the military. So that's that's a pretty big commitment to kind of a career path in a sense. How do you get right. from boot camp to a mission? Let's see. When, when I went to my first duty station, which was uh, San Diego, I started getting in contact with the missionaries and because I wanted to help. So I spent a lot of time, a lot of time just going out with the missionaries. Every, basically every um, afternoon that I had free, which 
you know, it wasn't always because sometimes we were out to sea. But whenever, whenever I was in port, I would go out to the Mormon battalion and help out there if they needed or or just go out with the missionaries all the time on splits or, or, or as a trio. And I was always helping to testify and everything. And so very, very soon after I, I started that military career, I knew I wanted to go on a mission. And, and, and I was like, well, what am I doing in the military? I want to go on a mission. Even though I had always wanted to be a sailor specifically. And so I was very happy about that. But the other thing is that I wanted to become a translator in Chinese. I wanted them to, to send me, I wanted the Navy to send me to the DLI Defense Language Institute in Monterey to, to learn Chinese and then become a translator for all the armed forces. But they didn't give me that job because they said I wasn't a citizen yet. So then when I joined, they offered me um, this job, which was uh, to be undesignated. So I had no rate, no, or MOS they call. And uh, so I had no, no, no specific job because I was going to look for a job supposedly while I waited uh, for my citizenship to, to, well, well, I waited to get my citizenship. And after I got it, they still didn't give me the, the job. So it ended up being that for, for four years, I just swabbed and, and swept and shined belts and uh, even separated trash and uh, cleaned bathrooms and worked on the kitchen and, and drove the ship and stood endless uh, watches. And so did all, all, all that sort of stuff so i was in a in a very difficult place <laughs> at, at that time and going out with the missionaries helped me a lot to 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 make more sense of why my life had turned out that way when i wanted to do you know had little different expectations for my life than just cleaning every day and so it, it was a huge part for me to to be with them. And I think it also had to do with being a lesbian that I love to be with the sister missionaries. Cause of course it was never with the elders. And, but I remember, no, I want to go, I want to go on a mission. And so later on, actually a week. Oh, but, but let me tell you a few experiences. So I had a friend, we met in boot camp, my absolute best friend in the, in the military. I had never had a, a best friend, let's say, well, the people I fell in love with, but but she became to me like a best friend, and, and I was never attracted to her, and I think Heavenly Father just helped me out on that one, and because we spent so much time together, we were, we met in boot camp, we went to the same ship, and then we were together all the time, we slept in the same, the same, uh, what do you call it, uh, well, the same room, and like we were together for like three three years or so, and so I'm just glad I never felt attracted to her because that would have been very difficult. But together we were very much into our religion, and sometimes we would do things like uh, we neither of us had a car or an apartment. We just saved our money. For me, I wanted to save it all to go on a mission. And sometimes we would say, okay, this Saturday, there's going to be an activity in the singles ward. And so we're going to rent a car and we're going to pray really hard that we'll find um, people that we can take to the activity. And that's what we would do. 
we, we, we'd rent a car and we'd just pray really hard and we would find people. <laughs> Sometimes people walking in the streets in, 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 the, in the base, we would ask them, hey, do you have anything to do? Would you like to go to these activities for this church and blah, blah, blah? And, and we'd show up with like, Sometimes one person, sometimes two or three or four even sometimes. Mm. And this is something that happened repeatedly. So that's just to illustrate how, how much we were into, into our religion and how much we loved it and wanted to, to advertise it. And then after some time, so I had saved enough money and I finished my term in the Navy. And exactly a week after uh, I finished my contract, I left to Missouri on my mission. Wow. Okay. So that's epic transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I'm just I'm getting the sense of, you know, just this fervor, you know, there's this energy, this, you know, positive like aura around you with the church, right? As far as like I will go, I will do, I will, you know, I will testify, I will serve. Um just kind of it's very idealistic happy place in your life oh yes yes very much so and even uh we went on deployment once and we were together like i said with this friend and we were supposed to go to hong kong and something happened and they tossed coins with other sheep and we had to go to Tonga instead well, that was a little before or a little after that movie had come out, um, uh, The Other Side of Heaven and uh, with Elder Grover in Tonga. And that was a little before Elder Grover gave his, uh, his talk in conference about his mission in Tonga. So for us, it was like everything was meant to be. And uh, when, when we got there, we just everywhere we stopped, we would go to church and we would just mingle with the saints and... It was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. We'd go in Tonga. I remember we'd go from from uh, Podlock to Podlock to Podlock. Everywhere they invited us, and it, it it was just a very big thing. Like you said, we wanted to testify. We wanted to do these things. Then when we went to Australia, we we went out for the day. It was a Saturday, and we only had like we had two days or three. But I remember that Saturday right right before. Um, Right before Sunday, yeah. <laughs> that Saturday, we we went out. When we came back into the base, for some reason, we we were mad at each other, which almost never happened. But that prevented us from going uh, downtown and looking at the yellow pages and seeing where the church was and stuff. But we asked the guard, or one one of us did, ask the guard if he could look it up for us and if he could call and if he could ask somebody to come pick us up next day. And we, of course, thought nothing's going to come of it because who's going to go through so much trouble, like do all of that? And and we were not even going to... Our plan was we just give him the instructions and then we go to our boat and we and we go to sleep. So we, would, we wouldn't even know if he had called or not or, or anything. But the thing is, we woke up... We, we had very much, uh, very, a very big faith, and we prayed very hard. And in the morning, we got dressed, we got ready as if we were going to church, and we showed up. We thought it's probably nine o'clock uh, church, you know, because most places is like that. And so we got ready and left around eight thirty, and we went out to the gate 
because you know when when the ship parks in the pier there, there's a long way from the pier to the gate and and so we we walked towards the gate and we were there and all of a sudden there's this a lot of people in our boat um waiting uh or or in the gate waiting to go out and to have fun and everything and uh, all of a sudden this this um car convertible car it was red super nice uh stops right beside us and two guys get out in their suits and ties or white shirts because it was hot and ties and they're like hey are you the girls for church or like yeah <laughs> and so they're like hey come on we came to pick you up i'm the the president of the branch and he's my uh, my um my counselor or something like that and uh, everybody i remember from the boat they stared at us like what the heck <laughs> where did they get these guys from and uh, we went to church and so first of all that was a huge answer to to our prayers and we got there and it was stake conference on that day and he um the stake president uh the 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 branch president had introduced that to the stake president and during the meeting he said Oh, brothers and sisters, I I had some speakers ready for you, but I feel prompted to change my schedule for the day. And I would like these uh, young Navy girls to please come up and bear their testimonies. And we were like, what? Wow. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and and uh, so we stood up to give our testimonies. And I just remember the feelings. They were just very, very powerful. And, and uh, so, so religion just played a huge role in my life during this time and also so, so i have to to get into this because i fell in love with, with another woman while i was in the military and this happened in san diego when i was i i would always like i said i would always be trying to do missionary work but even when i wasn't with the sisters i would carry a copy of the book of mormon with me and i would have a ton of um pass along cards and so one day I was I had just come from the Mormon Battalion Center and I was just going uh, looking around at some shops and this this girl was in one of those shops and there were no other clients so I just started talking to her and I looked for every opportunity to to share the gospel and so I asked her the classic do you like to read and if I gave you a, a book that talked about this. And so I ended up giving her a book of Mormon. And then I wanted to follow up with her. At first, I didn't feel attracted to her. Thank you for joining us today on Mormon Mental Health. To discuss this episode, please check us out at mormonmentalhealth.org. To keep the podcast alive, please consider a donation today. Again, at mormonmentalhealth.org. Logo was provided by Daniel Singer. Music was generously donated by Lower Lights. Please check them out at thelowerlights.com. And thanks for listening.
I hear. 